This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 105 with guest Sarah Jenks. All links and resources you hear on this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 105. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another edition of the podcast. As always, I am ecstatic that you are here. And just a couple of quick announcements this go around. If you have not received my free ebook that is called How the Shit Talking in Your Head is Making You Crazy and Three Ways to Change It, you can do so by texting the word kick ass, make it all one word, K I C K A S S, to 444999. That's the word kick ass to 444999, and I will happily send you that ebook on over. And then you're subscribed and you get all of these amazing podcast episodes delivered to your inbox every Wednesday. And the other announcement I have, more of a a question for y'all. I thought it might be fun, and I have no idea if you're going to think it's fun. (laughs) I thought it might be fun for instead of me interviewing someone else, if I got one of my listeners to interview me on the podcast. So I've already asked someone. She's actually a former client and she's a listener and she's excited to do so. But I thought, well, it would be great, too, if we got some questions from the other listeners. So if you have a question for me that you would like someone, like if you heard me being interviewed and you were like, they should ask her this, then send it on over. Send your question to support at yourkickasslife.com. In the subject line, can you put for interview? And I mean, it would probably be best if it was like curiosity questions, not questions on how do I have this conversation with my partner? Or those are questions, you know, that I answer in my regular episodes. But if you heard me mention something offhandedly in a podcast episode that you want to hear more about, or if there's a story you want me to talk more about that happened, you know, because I teach from my experiences. So if it's anything that's just like burning curiosity for you, send it on over. I can't promise I'm going to answer it. Amanda's going to be doing the interview and she might have a couple of questions herself, but I thought this might be fun. Like, what do you want to know? What do you want to know about my life that I can teach you and inspire you and motivate you? Because we're all in this together and I teach from my experiences and I thought it might be fun. I don't know. Y'all might be thinking like, Andrea, we are so tired of hearing about your life. Just keep having guests on. I have no idea. So I like to try new things over here at yourkickasslife.com. And also, of course, if you have a question, I do Q&A podcast episodes. So if you have a question about your life that you would like me to address, you can send that on over as well. Support at yourkickasslife.com. So let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. Today, I am talking with Ms. Sarah Jenks, and let me tell you a little bit about Sarah. As a full-figured woman who struggled with her weight for years, Sarah Jenks finally found the key that all diets were missing. After bouncing between fad diets and struggling with her body image, Sarah realized she had been waiting on the weight, waiting to be thin before she 
got the great job, the great wardrobe, or the great relationship. When Sarah stopped waiting on the wait, she finally did all the things that she had put on hold for years. Going after her ideal job, flirting with her dream guy, going out dancing, and living a fully engaged life. So I'm sure you will enjoy this conversation just as much as I did. So without further ado, here is Sarah. Ass Kickers, we are here and we are excited to bring you Miss Sarah Jenks of Live More Way Less. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. Finally, 105 episodes and I finally talk you into being on the show. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've been busy popping out babies, so it's so happy to be available. (laughs) Just a little bit busy. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to have you here and I love talking about this topic, especially with experts because I don't really feel like I am one on this topic. my God, you totally are. So I just, I, you know, I'm good at talking about other things and being an expert in other things that overlap on this topic, but I'm ecstatic to dive in with you. So let's start from the very, very beginning and tell us what it means to you to quote unquote, live more. Of course. So how this all got started was I grew up believing I needed to weigh less in order to live more. So for me, I thought that if I could just lose like 10, 15 pounds, which is a lot for a fifth grader, then I would get a boyfriend. I would be put in the front row at my dance recital. I would maybe get the lead in my school musical. And I was never one of those people who could stick to a diet. I would be on a diet for like three hours before I was just like halfway through a pint of ice cream. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I was always so mad at myself because I thought this seems so easy. My life is just 15 pounds away. Why can't Mm -hmm. I just buckle down and make it happen? And It's not that I had a terrible life. I had a great childhood and, you know, obviously everything worked out. Everything felt just like a little bit out of reach for me. And inside, and I know you talk about this all the time, even though everything looked fine on the outside, on the inside, I just hated myself Mm -hmm. because I thought I lacked this thing called willpower that everyone else seemed to have that completely eluded me. And... I felt really broken. I felt like, how come everything is working except for my weight? Mm -hmm. And I felt like because I was so stuck in my body, I call it body jail, that so many things weren't working out for me. So this went on for years and years and years. And it wasn't until I had graduated from college and I was working in New York City that I had the worst binge of my life where I ate an entire bag of Dove Chocolate Promises in the supply closet of my advertising agency where I worked. So you were in the supply closet? I was hiding in the supply closet in the middle of the day because Mm -hmm. I hated my job so much. Oh my goodness. And I was just shoving chocolate in my face. And I remember leaving five pieces in the bag and I thought that was a big win. I was going to say, is that it? That sounds like it. I don't mean to get you off, but that's exactly what I used to do with wine. Like if I could just leave like a half an inch at the bottom of the bottle, I can eat the whole (laughs) thing. Victory. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And drink the whole thing. Yeah. So I threw out the bag and then like 10 minutes later, I came back and I fished it out of the trash. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was just my big wake up call. And I realized, okay, I've been dieting for years. It's just not working. So I'm just giving it up. I'm just going to be fat and miserable forever. And so I decided to give up dieting. And then all of a sudden I had all this space in my head and I realized, oh my God, like I'm not miserable because I'm fat. I'm miserable because my life sucks Mm -hmm. because I've been spending all of my energy 
on my diet because I thought my diet was going to make my life better. So in the meantime, I had a flat relationship. I hated my job. You know, my friendships are feeling a little like comparison heavy. I wasn't super psyched about where I was living. I mean, it was just, I woke up to all this stuff that was off. So I started putting all the pieces of my life together without focusing on my weight. And as I was doing that, you know, working on my relationship, going to dance classes, taking voice lessons, making new friends, developing a spiritual practice, all of a sudden I wasn't coming home and eating ice cream every night. And I wasn't drinking the entire bottle of wine by Mm -hmm. myself. And I wasn't doing all these other addictive behaviors. And I just, I really started living more. I started adding to my life. And in that process, I stopped emotionally eating and lost weight. And I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. this was a lot easier than I thought. (laughs) And that's when I quit my job in advertising and went to nutrition school and developed Live More, Weigh Less. That's what I I know. I'm just really struck by the similarities. And I think a lot of people listening, I think, well, for one, I think a lot of people listening can relate to what you were talking about, that elusive, if I just get to be this size, if I just lose this amount of weight, if I just start totally eating clean and get a six pack, like there's this criteria, I think that so many women make up and it's not just body and appearance, but I I do know that body and appearance is the number one shame trigger for women. But Mm -hmm. I think what I was thinking when you were saying all that is like, there's so many similarities in the life that I had too. And except what I was doing a little bit differently. And I think maybe some people can relate to this is instead of emotionally eating, I was starving myself to get my ideal body and using Mm -hmm. men and love and relationships for happiness and connection. And I think in your about page too, I remember reading that you were using food to feel connected to something (laughs) <laughs> to feel something, anything. Yeah. So I'm curious, my question is, was there anything, because you mentioned, you know, needed to get a different place because you didn't like it, needed to get a different job, took taking voice lessons and things like that. Was there anything that you felt like you needed to look at and kind of shine the light on emotionally to help you heal your life and your emotional eating? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many things. And what's been so great, how my work has shifted, you know, over the past seven years is that, you know, in the beginning, it was like fixing the major fun holes, right? And then since then, and what I now teach is that there's so many underlying belief systems Mm -hmm. that are just causing, you know, our reality that looking a certain way is what matters the most. And so for me, it was really untying my self-worth from my appearance Mm -hmm. and love for my appearance because the reality is that like working on my relationship in a body that I hated was really difficult. And so I had to come up against like, okay, so where do I really source my sexuality Mm -hmm. if I don't feel beautiful? And am I really worthy of being loved by a man if I don't feel beautiful? And that work was so powerful because it just meant that I developed a relationship with Jonathan that I now knew could like stand the test of anything because it wasn't like I was, you know, thin and perfect. And in my mind, that was the only reason he was with me. Do you feel like, and I don't mean to project this on you, but what came up for me when you were saying that is you know, when you mentioned your husband and and things like that, I find what pops up a lot for women is an element of trust. Mm -hmm. So not only it's multi-layered, but the two main layers are the inability to trust yourself 
and the inability to trust others. Like an example is like the way I look at it is it's easy for us to be like, yeah, I I trust my best friend. But like, I think the litmus test for that is like, like, would you tell your best friend the quote unquote stories that you're going to take to your grave? Like the parts of you that, that you find unworthy. I know for me, like that was a huge one. I didn't trust I was so brokenhearted. And I think like you get to a certain age and like all of us have had our heart broken, whether it's from a best friend or a parent or a boyfriend. So was that not to go on and on, but like, was that an element for you at all around trust? I'm trying to put myself back in that place. I think the way it felt for me is that I really felt so broken Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was so panicked that Jonathan was going to find out that I was broken. Yes. And so I feel like I did trust him. And I think that had a lot to do with my personal upbringing. My parents did a really great job instilling trust in me with other people mm-hmm. and especially in romantic relationships. But it was just like, I was scared that he was going to discover that I wasn't the woman he thought that I was. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the, I think, trust comes from, and this is what I see in the women that I work with on a regular basis is, am I going to be okay by myself if everyone leaves me? Yeah. I think that's sort of like the pattern that I see because, and it's like, if they find out that I'm broken, they're going to leave. And then Mm -hmm. am I going to be okay alone Mm -hmm. if everyone leaves me? And so what I think is super important to cultivate is that feeling of, of trusting yourself. Yeah. And when we can trust ourself and know that we're going to be okay, that just automatically spreads onto other people. Yes. A thousand times. Yes. I wonder too. And I had no idea we were going to talk about trust. <laughs> Great. I love it. <laughs> with it. I think for me, what it looked like too, is that, and this has sort of been a theme that I've been talking about over the last few weeks around trust and feelings, because I imagine that a lot of the women that you work with and come to your programs, they are so afraid to feel their feelings, whether yeah. it's joy or disappointment or grief mm-hmm. or loss, fear, all of the feelings that they eat because, yep. you know, that's just, they don't want to feel we numb out. And what I see a lot with women I work with is, and in myself too, you know, I fully admit that I've had this feeling too, is that. They're so afraid to kind of succumb to the feelings. I know that a lot of the women I work with, myself included, have issues with control. Like, I want certainty in my life. I want an itinerary. My friend Christine Hassler says, we want a controlled outcome so much. If we don't have it, we go to psychics to tell us what's going to happen. So like feeling your feelings. I mean, that's uncertain. Like if I start crying, am I going to be able to stop? If I start feeling and you know getting curious about this fear, am I going to stop? So I imagine that that's a little bit of an issue too, is just like giving women the permission and helping them give themselves the permission to feel their feelings instead of eating. Yes, absolutely. And the thing that I teach in my program, Live More Way Less. So everyone is listening. This is a good thing for you guys to think about is I find that when I can connect with my, I call her my inner wise woman. Mm -hmm. When I can connect with my inner wise woman and like see her and feel her, it gives the rest of me permission to fall apart Mm. because it's like, I know that she's there to hold everyone else because we all have all these different parts of us through whatever we need to feel. And 
it's just like, you know, when we were little, it's so much easier to fall apart when our mother is sitting on the foot of our bed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because we know that someone's there to catch us. And I think that it's so great when we can identify that part of us too. So we just don't feel like we're so alone in our emotions, that there's actually an all knowing part of us there that we can lean on. And it's not to make it better or push it away. It's just to hold space. And you know, before we were getting on the phone, it's just like being with a toddler. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I have to let Marshall go through all of his emotions. And I'm just there holding space for him and letting him know it's safe. Then he's not going to die if he just lets it all come out. And it's so great watching him because when he just lets it all out, and I don't tell him to stop, and I don't try to distract him, he moves through it on his own without me doing anything. And then he has a really great rest of the afternoon mm-hmm. or he has an easier time going to sleep. And so it's so great for me to see that, you know, right in front of me all the time, you know, because so many of us have been programmed just to like shut it off. It's so funny that you mentioned that like toddlers don't give a shit who sees their emotional right. <laughs> And that's so triggering. <laughs> I think that's why toddlers are like so difficult. Well, there's so like, in the present moment too. Whoa, there's like so many emotions. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm going to feel them all. I don't yeah, care exactly. what you think of them. And then I'm going to go play and be just fine. It's exactly. really, we can learn a lot from that. A lot. <laughs> so what do you see over and over again is the thing women are like, what are the patterns that you feel like women are mostly hungry for that they're trying to get from food? Oh, this is such a good question because I've been really geeking out on this really. Oh, Um, God, I made it up myself (laughs) because I'm truly curious. So the pattern I see the most is coming home from the end of a really hard and busy day and using food to calm down. To take the edge off. What did you say? To take the edge off. Take the edge off. But... That sounds a lot more simple than it actually is. So when I've been sort of like peeling off the layers of that habit, what I've been really seeing in my own life and my clients' lives is that we've really lost touch with a feminine way of doing things. And we're like really in our masculine energy and go, go, go all day. And we don't know how to come out of it. And so we use food to like soften and ground and connect with our bodies and just sort of feel like human again mm-hmm. to feel something. Um, yeah. Relief. Feel something. Relief. And so what I am really working on with women in my program is how can you learn to in the moment after the end of a work day, soften and switch roles and come back into that feminine part of you. But then also like, how can we question how we're doing things all day so that Mm -hmm. we don't come to seven o'clock at night and feel like we have to eat everything in our kitchen in order to come down Mm. off of our like super intense energy. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. What I'm hearing too is that there's probably an element of curiosity that you teach people in order to like get curious about their feelings and get curious mm-hmm. about their thoughts and all of that instead of just jumping to the pantry. Yes, exactly. Because the real reason why I do this work, it's not to help women lose weight. It's not even really to help them 
I would not have had you on the podcast if that's what you were pushing. (laughs) How can we use your eating habits as a roadmap to figuring out what's happening in your lives and in our world? Because, you know, if you eat a cookie, it's not a big deal. But if you eat a cookie because you're ignoring how you're out of alignment in the way you're working all day. Yeah then that's a real problem because then you're not really living the life you're meant to live and you're just going to feel stressed out and unhappy forever. Mm-hmm. And that's why diet, when people are on a diet, I get so freaking because I'm like, you're missing the gold here. Right. You're, you're totally bypassing point. it. You're totally bypassing it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's all about being curious just for the sake of recognizing what is out of whack in my life. I love that. And I love that you made the declaration about this is not a weight loss program. No, I and so for anyone listening, if you go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash one zero five, there's links in the show notes. And so you have something we'll link up to it in those show notes, but you have something free where people can get that right. Tell us about it. Yeah. So I have a free workshop and a video training series. So you actually get both when you sign up, which is great. It really depends on how people like to, you know, take in the information. Mm -hmm. Some people like a quick 90 minute binge, you know, and some people like it sort of spread out. And I just really walk people through if you're feeling just like you're stuck in body jail and you're holding on really tight to your diet and you just believe that if you lose 20 pounds, everything's going to get better. And this is going to be the diet that's going to, this is going to be the diet that's going to work. Even Mm -hmm. though the past 150 have failed, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. we've all been in that place. This is going to walk you through exactly what to do to unhook yourself from that pattern and to start making some really significant changes in the six most important areas of your life. And so I go into fun and food and body and career and spirituality and love. Awesome. Okay. So guys, your kickasslife.com forward slash one zero five to sign up for that freebie. And I was perusing your blog and I love the post that you wrote about, and again, this is all in the show notes, you guys, about the importance of finding your emotional eating triggers. And you just mentioned that you use that as a tool and as gold, as you put it. So can you tell us more about that, about those emotional eating triggers? Yeah. So So what can happen is when we're feeling really frustrated about our bodies, we sort of say, I'm not going to worry about what's been going on. I'm just going to move forward. You know, (laughs) I'm just going to eat the rest of the plate, you know, and we don't take a moment to just stop and non-judgmentally really look at what's going on. And so I find that there's two really great things to look at. There's when did your relationship with food really shift? You know, for some of us, we were 10 years old. Mm -hmm. For some of us, it was after we had a baby. For some of us, it was in college or when our kids went to college, right? Some of us, it was all of those. Are all of those, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And so to look at what, like the originating place and what happened in that moment, did you feel like you were lonely? Did you lose your job? Did something happen in your relationship or with your mother or, you know, what was the starting point? And then taking a look at, okay, so where am I overeating during the day? And what's happening right before? And what's the feeling that I'm trying to get from the food? Because some of us, it's like we want excitement and we want to feel up. For some of us, we want to like numb out and shut down. For me, I always really ate for connection. So it was when 
my boyfriend was working late or I was alone in the apartment. I'm just an extreme extrovert and I was not good at being alone. Mm -hmm. So every time I was alone, I would eat to fill the space. And I had to really identify that and work on that feeling. And so it's really about being a detective because like I mentioned before, there's so much available to you when we just look at our eating habits. It's really incredible. I love that you said something kind of offhandedly in the very beginning of when you started to explain that you said to look at it from a non-judgmental place. Yeah. And I wanted to underline that because I think that people can't even start to be a detective because they're too busy like an because they just ate an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's or, you know, like finished an entire pizza or whatever. Like they're so stuck in that because we talk a lot about the inner critic over here and that voice Mm -hmm. that tells us all the mean things. Um, I know you're a good friend of Amy Ehlers and I have Mm -hmm. her on the podcast too. She calls it your inner mean girl. And I think that, oh God, there is so much there, you guys, but you can't, (laughs) you can't start to uncover it. And I'm not, I don't think that people need to like jump to a place of magnificent self-compassion. I think that that's the end goal. And I think that after you've been doing this work for a while, it's sort of like grad school for personal development. Yeah. Which I think it's important, but I love that you said that. What I advise people to do is just You don't have to like turn things around and say positive affirmations. Just say like, all right, I'm just going to let myself off the hook here for a minute and look at what's going on. Like you were saying, like answer those questions. What was happening right before I started eating all of this? How am I actually feeling? What am I trying to get from eating this? What do I think is on the other end? Right, exactly. And I think another way to look at it too is, especially for those of us who have an eating problem to just say like, okay, this could be heroin and it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it could be anything. It could be a shopping addiction. You know, it could be smoking. It could be anything. And I mean, there's shame around all addictions, but it's just to be like, okay, I ate some ice cream. Everything's going to be fine, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And to know that it's just like a red flashing sign that's saying, I need help. Yeah. We need you to look at this. Will you look at this here, please? Mm -hmm. And if we didn't have that red flashing sign of a moment of overeating, we may never realize that we're meant to get a new job or that we're in the wrong relationship. Yeah. Or that we need to change something about our relationship. We would never know. Mm -hmm. I think... Oh gosh, I don't even know if I want to go down this path, but I started saying it. So I think what's tricky is that... And tell me if you think I'm totally off base, but I think that some women and maybe some women that are listening to this might be afraid to even be a detective because they kind of have an inkling already of what it is. And Uh like both outcomes suck. So like the example that you just gave of their intuition is like, this relationship is bad. We need to get out. We should have gotten out six months ago. So that's going to be tough breaking up with your partner or you stay on the same path of emotional eating and, you know, covering up your problems. And maybe it's like other addictions too, like shopping or internet or, you know, overachieving or whatever. For me, it was like, I had like a grab bag of addictions over here. I know, like I got to that point in my life where, you know, I'm speaking from experience, like both outcomes were my whole point in this is not just to like make people feel worse, but it's like, you need to get to that tipping point where to stay where you are feels just a little bit worse than shining the light on action that needs to take place. Exactly. And that's the perfect way to look at it. And I always talk to my future self a lot. Mm -hmm. And I ask her for advice all the time, especially when something feels really hard, 
like leaving a relationship or making a significant change. And what's also great is that, you know, I was having a lot of issues in my relationship when I was going through the first phases of emotional eating. And when I looked at it, I realized it had nothing to do with Jonathan and and had everything to do with just how we were operating together. Uh And so you just may discover something really different than you originally thought. And just speaking from someone who's on the other side of a lot of really hard decisions and difficult conversations feels really great. And I'm really always so glad that I pushed the envelope there. Mm, Yeah, that's, oh gosh, we have a whole podcast episode about difficult conversations. I actually do. I had someone on who that's awesome. Yeah. Amy Smith, she's actually my best friend. She talks a lot about, we'll link up to that in the show notes to you guys about how to have those difficult conversations. You talked also about the importance of setting a good example to our children. For those of you who are parents who are listening, especially to our daughters. And I know you have a little tiny one. Uh Yeah. She's still like an infant, right? Not even one or she one. She is almost one. Oh my gosh. She will be one at the end of August. I miss that stage. Yeah. So can you speak to that for us a little bit? Uh Uh-huh. Totally. The thing that I am teaching in my work and that I really want to teach my children is that our bodies are so much more than their appearance. Than an ornament. Mm -hmm. You know, exactly. And I want to, like something I say a lot is like, is your body just a glorified mannequin for your clothes? Is Mm -hmm. that your body's only role? And... When Jonathan and I talk about our bodies to our kids, we've started doing it now because Marshall is two, is we'll be like, oh my God, like, look how amazing my body is. I just went for a really long run and my body covered so many miles, you know, or look how amazing my body is. Like I just grew a human in my belly (laughs) or like, oh my gosh, I can't believe my belly is, you know, digesting all of this food right now. So cool. And we really try to tap into like the different, like really magical functions of our body. And, you know, I really talked to Marshall about, you know, can you tune into your intuition, Mm -hmm. which lives in our bodies? And can you use your eyes to see all the beautiful colors? And can you smell the cookies and just really tuning into all of our senses and, and our body as a tool, I think is super powerful for children. I love that. I think that for a lot of people listening, they grew up in homes where their mothers talked badly about their own bodies. And maybe it wasn't even verbal. It was, you know, pinching an inch on their, in the mirror or getting on the scale Mm -hmm. every day. And, and I always thought like, like, well, how did I get so screwed up? Because my mom never did any of that. But looking back, there was never, ever a discussion at all in our house about body stuff. So I was a poster child for, from the media. Like, oh, I learned everything. I, and I grew up in the eighties. Like I was an eighties kid. So everything I learned about body image and what women's bodies are for, I learned from TV. Right. And I was in an era of MTV. Like, so <laughs> yeah. And I like, just feel oh like God, we need no to be louder than the media. Yes. And you just know? like open discussions too. And like asking yeah. our children critical questions, like, and just teaching them to be media savvy and, and exactly. critical thinkers of the media. And it's like, what do you think about that Victoria's Secret catalog? What do you think about, you know, just like all of these things and just allowing them to have open discussions, which I think are uncomfortable for a lot of people, but just, I think it's so important to to know that you don't have to have all the answers. You don't need to be an expert in it. You just need to be able to allow your kids to create that 
container where they know that they can come to you about questions they have. Cause I wasn't comfortable going to my parents. I talked to my friends about it or worse, my boyfriend. <laughs> I know. Oh God. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yes, totally. And I also just think it's so important for us to just work on our own stuff. Yes. You know, because whether we're talking about it out loud or not, our kids can feel it. Mm-hmm. And I think the best gift we can give our children is just to be in our own inquiry about our relationship with our bodies and not to try to, you know, prevent our kids from having an issue by just controlling their weight. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, it all has to come from us and how we genuinely feel, not yeah. what we think we're <clears throat> pretending to show on the outside. I love it. Well, my dear, I have one more question for you before we wrap it up. And again, everybody, yourkickasslife.com forward slash one zero five. And I want to know what surprises you about the work you do with women. Oh, so good. I think it's just, there's always so many layers within myself Mm -hmm. that come up. I think that's what's so beautiful about doing this work as a coach is that you're basically raising your hand and saying, universe, please use me as a test kitchen for every problem that any will come my way in the form of another woman. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's just like, it's unbelievable. And I just show up for it. I have to. And so much of my education is what comes up for myself. And just what's so great is that as I'm going through something, all of a sudden there's a whole new population of women who are so excited to learn about it. Yeah. you know, as if by magic. And it's just so beautiful to see how we all grow together. Mm-hmm. And it really is a community. And it's such a beautiful symbiotic relationship. I love that. I think it really speaks to having the courage to kind of raise your hand and say yes, and that you're up for the challenge. She'll take that mission. Yeah. And I'm just so glad that it's a conversation that's happening more and more. And, you know, thank goodness for our daughter's generation. And again, you guys, if you go to the show notes, Sarah has a free virtual workshop that you can attend and free video training. So get your hands on that. And thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. It was really such a joy. Awesome. It's always such a great conversation to have. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. As always, I adore you. And I will see you next time for another solo edition. And until then, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. 